Hello and welcome to Unfolding Sound. Today we bring you Douglas Leach's interview with Daniel Graves from the band Aesthetic Perfection. We interviewed him at Vivo KC. The interview was done at Vivo's lovely outdoor patio, so you may hear some background noises as well. We present to you Douglas Leach's interview with Daniel Graves from Aesthetic Perfection. Enjoy. This is Doug Leach with the Unfolding Sound Podcast, and I'm here with Daniel Graves from Aesthetic Perfection. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. <laughs> my, my pleasure. I mean, I was here anyway, so it's right. not like it's... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of skin off my teeth. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. So I guess the first question is going to be, how's the tour going so far? <laughs> tour is great. It's, um, it's, it's not easy to get back into the swing of things after, you know, a three-year hiatus. Yep. Um, and uh, 40 shows in a row might have been <laughs> biting off a little more than I could chew. It's ambitious, yes. It's, it's definitely ambitious. It, you know, a lot of people were telling me that when we announced the tour, they're like, wow, that's a lot of tour dates. And I was like, Pfft done this a million times before. I mean, like all of my <laughs> tours are around, are, are roughly 40 shows. Um, that's like what you need in order to, you know, hit the entire uh, uh, United States and most of the markets in Canada. But, you know, you get out on the road and you're like, wow, uh, I'm not like in shape for this. Not, you know, it's like not just physically in shape, mentally in shape, all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very difficult undertaking but um, finally starting to get in the swing of things uh, finally getting into a rhythm so uh, you caught me on a good day <laughs> that's good <laughs> I can appreciate that yeah So for this tour, you did a battle of the bands on uh, live streams on YouTube mm -hmm. where you had people enter in to try to think of the best way to put it, but uh, people online voted for what band they would like to see open for any given city. Yeah, essentially the idea was that I was going to allow local bands in every city uh, with no sort of like cap, you know, as many bands could, could submit as they wanted, and we would listen to those submissions blind, live on YouTube and let the chat decide because, you know, we didn't want to be the bad guys. Right. <laughs> um, but also, you know, I think it's it's important to um, show these, not show these bands, but sort of like demonstrate the fact that um, fan engagement really does make a difference. And so the bands that were able to have their friends and family and, and, and audience turn up and vote for them, you know, those, those, were, the, those were the people that won. And to me, it just seemed like a perfect opportunity to uh, not only promote the tour, but to uh, promote up-and-coming talent because, you know, there's, there's so many great bands out there and as, as, as hard as I try to you know, keep my ear to the ground and figure out what's going on, life is busy yeah. and hectic and, uh, and I there's just can't... There's so I just, many bands out there. Yeah. yeah, I just can't keep up with all of it. So um, this was an, it was an excellent way to... Uh, you know, shine a spotlight on new bands, even the bands that didn't win. You know, like I discovered a lot of great bands, yeah. and bands who didn't win, and and hopefully, you know, they um, even the, the people who didn't win 
got an opportunity to be exposed to a new audience. So for me, it was, it was a very win-win situation where not only am I promoting my tour and promoting it on the local level, you know, by having like local bands tell people, hey, this, this show is happening, we want to be a part of it, but also you know, using my larger platform to uh, uh, hopefully get them some exposure. I was going to ask, did you learn anything uh, in particular from, from that process? Yeah, I learned that I'm totally out of touch. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had watched several of them myself, and I did. I, I feel like I learned a lot of like bands that I kind of tagged and like, all right, I'm going to keep an eye on these guys. Mm. That sort of thing. Absolutely, and it was the same for me. And it was really cool because my Discord community, um, you know, they they started channels or like sub channels on our Discord for all of the uh, events, and and people are like discussing those bands now, and and I see like a lot of buzz within my own community for some of the artists that won and, and, and ones that didn't win. On your latest album, uh, 2021, you released it, or released it one song at a time, one per month, all through 2021, and then wrapped it all up as an album at the end. Yeah. Uh, I know you did that sort of as an experiment or I guess an attempt to try to stay more in front of your fans mm. more in their minds how do you think it went I I think that that was probably one of the greatest sort of artistic undertakings that I've taken in my entire career um, not only because it allowed me to stay relevant whatever that means um, during you know a period of time where it was very difficult as an artist to stay relevant and stay sort of in the public's sort of attention. Um, but it also really kind of taught me what it means to be an artist. It helped sort of like refine my uh, artistic philosophy, uh, helped me kind of get out of my own conscious creative mind a bit and just kind of letting my artistic intuition, my subconscious take the wheel and, you know, not worrying too much about whether or not what I was creating was good, just whether or not I was having fun doing it. And so now I've realized um, after going through this process that uh, creating isn't really about creating something good. Creating is about doing your absolute best with what you have and enjoying it and then letting letting sort of fate decide the rest, whether or not what you've done is, is good or bad or whatever. It's, it's not really my concern. That's a solid answer, all right. What do you guys listen to when you're on the road? What do I listen to? Or what do, what, what do, my, what do my bandmates listen to? Or what do I force everybody to listen to? What do you to? force everybody to listen to? That's always so, a better question. Um, I am one of those people that will listen to the same thing over and over and over again until my ears bleed, or let's say like the ears of those who are in my orbit bleed. Um, I have like this playlist called like backstage warm-up playlist, whatever. I listen to this nonstop. It's like 40 or 50 songs, and I will just listen to it for hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> on end much to the dismay of everybody who was with me on this tour. And every day I turn it on, they're like, oh, again. 
but I'm the boss. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just uh, contemporary pop music. Like I, I find myself more and more as I get older, just really just gravitating towards contemporary pop music, not just because um, I want to sort of stay on the cutting edge of production techniques and, and songwriting techniques, but just because it's it's very very calming for me. It's very very easy to either listen to actively or passively. And I find that music that requires a lot of thought or attention, at least while I'm on tour, is, is actually a disturbance for me. So music that takes like mental energy to process, I don't enjoy when I'm on tour. Like it can't be a difficult listen. It has to be essentially like, I don't know, just pure enjoyment. spirit of the podcast um is there any album that you enjoy that you feel should be more popular than it actually is and i know that's kind of putting on the spot question um i don't know because you could call me naive but i have this sort of intuition that the cream always rises to the top and and i don't think that there are a lot of albums or bands like we're talking about like in a historical context i'm not talking yes. about like right now because like right now of course like it's difficult to get seen as an artist but i'm talking about like over the the the, the span of a lifetime or a career i feel like like people if they are creating something that is great and resonates with the zeitgeist that it is impossible that it will not get noticed a lot of people may disagree with me. A lot of people may call me naive, but I just sort of have that feeling. And all, and, and all the albums that I personally consider to be like perfect, you know, they're, they're albums that a lot of other people would put on their sort of perfect album list. Um, so I can't, I can't, I, I mean, maybe th Thriller, like Michael Jackson's Thriller is like an absolutely perfect album front to back. Like there's, there's, not, a, there's not a bad song on it. Right. Doug Leach with the Unfolding Sound Podcast, and I'm here with Daniel Graves from Aesthetic Perfection. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I can't breathe. Uh, uh, the following songs featured on this episode were Automaton featuring Sebastian Svaland, Antibody, and Gods and Gold. To find more about their upcoming shows, visit aesthetic-perfection.net. That is aesthetic-symbol-perfection.net. We thank Daniel Grays for taking the time from his busy schedule to speak with us. You are listening to Unfolding Sound. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>